my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about what I call the decentralized revolution. That's my thesis, talking about the convergence of three cycles. Of course, that's politics, finance, and technology. 250-year political revolution cycle, an 80-year financial revolution cycle, a 50-year technological revolution cycle, all on different time frames, all converging right now, which explains why the world's so crazy, what the heck is going on, more importantly, where we are going. And you have to understand all of this. Of course, it's being led by technology, the decentralized technology, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies that are leading through this decentralized revolution. A couple of weeks ago, I, I spent about an hour just talking about that thesis and breaking it down for you. If you've missed that, uh, no worries. I got your back. You can check it out either by going to my YouTube channel. Just search Mark Moss on YouTube. You can search Mark Moss Cycles or go to my um, YouTube page and just um, look in the playlist for that or check it out on the podcast network. Um, just search on any of your favorite podcast uh, apps. Uh, iTunes, uh, or the I, I'm sorry, the iTunes app, if you use that, or the iHeart Music app, etc., and you can find me there as well. But today we're talking about uh, those three things converging, and there's been a lot of big news happening in the United States, specifically around the Federal Reserve, the policies, the the Biden administration, 
What they want to do is spending money. Of course, we have to understand that the Federal Reserve is basically behind the wheel of the bus, right? They're the ones that are driving these markets by increasing the money supply and decreasing the money supply, which of course is completely ridiculous. This week, the entire world sat back and waited, holding their breath for the, for the head of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, to come out and tell us what they were going to do. Ridiculous. It's about as ridiculous as, uh, what's his name, Punxsutawney Phil, I think it is, uh, the groundhog. Everybody sits around, I think, somewhere in Pennsylvania. The news cameras, they're waiting. Is the groundhog going to come out? Yes or no? If the groundhog comes out, that means spring is going to continue or end early, something like that. I don't know exactly. I'm not from Pennsylvania, and I don't really care because it's pretty ridiculous. Whether a groundhog comes out of the hole or not has no effect on whether spring is going to continue or not. It has about as much reality, about as much effect, uh, and it's, it's as ridiculous as us waiting around for the head of the Federal Reserve to come out and tell us what they're going to do with the fate, with our fate, the fate of your and I's business, the fate of your and I's retirement accounts, the fate of your and I's economy we have to live in, the world we have to live in. And the fact that we would trust a, a groundhog or one single man with the fate of our life is ridiculous. They're both ridiculous, but of course, that's the world that we live in. And uh, a much better system would be a one where one man didn't have the power and control over our lives by changing the money supply. But of course, like I said, that's the world we live in, but it's the world that we are, I am advocating to change. I don't believe anybody, uh, any one person, any one group should have control to create money from thin air, artificially increase the money supply, and then arbitrarily decrease the money supply. So uh, while that is the world we live in today, it's a world that we are trying to, I am trying to advocate to change. I believe in a world that we should separate money and state. Uh, we had uh, separation of church and state, and now we should have separation of money and state. And it's not about taking it from one group of people and giving it to another group of people. It's not about installing better rules or laws. It's about having no ability to control the money supply, period. And the only way to do that is to take it, uh, quoting one of my favorite authors, F.A. Hayek, he said uh, he's a Nobel Prize winner in 1974 in economics. I believe it was about 1980. He said that there shall never be another sound money again, a sound money, a sound money being uh, money that uh, can't be artificially created and artificially stimulated. Gold was a sound money, right? We, we can't just artificially create it. We can go get more of it. So we can, we can inflate the supply, but only through a uh, considerable cost of goods, uh, cost of capital, energy expenditure, et cetera. And so you can't just go arbitrarily create more by pushing a button on a keyboard and having you know trillions of dollars more. And so that's sound money. So he says, there shall never be another sound money again until it is taken from the hands of the government, not just this government or that government, all governments, until it's taken from the hands of man. I would I'd go as far as say that. Never be a sound money again until there's taken from the hands of the government. But it can't be done by force. Of course it can't be done by force. Why would the government, why would the central banks ever give up control to create more money? If you could create more money from thin air, if you had a money tree in your backyard, would you just decide to chop it down? Would you decide to let somebody come and just take it away? I would imagine 
you would defend it with everything you had. And of course, that's just you in your own backyard. But we're talking about the central banks that that run the largest militaries in the world. So it can't be done by force. But he says, but rather a sly roundabout way introducing something that can't be stopped. And that's what we talk about. We're talking about Bitcoin, of course. It was introduced over a dozen years ago. And today it cannot be stopped. Michael Saylor says it's sort of like a, a virus that's been let, let go in cyberspace. So it's a cyberspace vi- virus. It's just decentralized. There's no head to cut off. Um, it's just out there running, and there's just no way to shut it down at this point. So it can't be stopped. Now, maybe it could have been stopped, uh, you know, a decade ago, maybe six or seven years ago. But at this point, it can't be. And so F.A. Hayek um, prophetically told us in 1980 that something like this would need to come if we ever wanted to get back to a system where we weren't waiting for a for, for a for a groundhog to come out of the ground or a Jerome Powell to come out of the office and tell us what the fate of our world is. But of course, that's where we are. And so we, we wait and see what the Federal Reserve is going to do. We wait and see uh, what the stock markets are going to respond to. We wait and see what the leaders, the politicians are going to do as far as spending money. And so we're going to talk about those couple things today. We're going to talk about uh, what the Federal Reserve is doing, what the markets are doing, and what the government wants to do as far as spending more money, because those are the things that drive the markets. Like I said, it's not the system I advocate for. It's not the system I believe we have in the future, but it is the system that we have today, and we want to advocate uh, for change. We have to understand how this works. So a couple things. Uh, again, this week, everybody waited, holding their breath, waiting for Jerome Powell to come out and tell us what they're going to do. Of course, I'm talking about the FOMC meeting, and what were they going to do with interest rates? The federal funds rate. Were they going to increase the Fed funds rate, or were they going to hold, or would they decrease it? Nobody thought they were going to decrease the Fed funds rate. Uh, everybody expected for them to increase it. Of course, they've been signaling that they would increase it. They started telling us in November of 2021 that they were going to increase the rates. And they try to tell us uh, way in advance of what they're going to be doing. They don't want to have any big surprises or big shocks to the market. So they tell us what they're going to be doing. And so, uh, again, we did back in November. And of course, back in November is when we saw the risk on assets start to sell off, the risk on assets being tech stocks. Uh, being Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, et cetera. You can see they made their highs in November of last year, and they started selling off. The question that everybody wanted to know uh, this week was, would they come out with a 0.75% increase or a 1% increase? At the end of the day, what does it really matter? 0.75, 1%, it's about the same thing. But yet, uh, there's betting markets that literally go out and bet. They wager on what the Fed will do. And the wager, the betting market was betting that they would come out with a 0.75% basis point, which is exactly what they did. And the markets responded. We're going to talk about that. And then I want to talk about uh, a big, big, big deal um, that just happened this week, a massive pivot in the government and the government spending. Um, And so you need to know about these two things together. So I'm trying to put these things in context to you. Of course, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. There's a lot of guys talking about politics, a lot of guys talking about finance, but nobody's putting it together, helping it helping you have more context to what's going on today. So I want to talk more about the insanity of one person controlling what they're doing, what they decided to do this week, what that means for us, what that means for the economy, what that means for your business, uh, what that means for your retirement, your real estate. And then we'll talk about some of these spending bills um, the government wants to do so we'll know where the money's going to go, what you should be doing about that. So you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're going to cover all that 
on this show. I got a lot to get through. Uh, so you don't want to miss this. I'll be back in just a minute. So don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing right before our very eyes, through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. You have to understand all three of those things to understand what is going on. And so I really like to focus on the technology piece. The the technology piece is what has shifted society. But I always like to say that solutions are supposed to come to problems. I say supposed to because today with the Federal Reserve and the central banks creating unlimited amounts of money, 
We have all this money sloshing around the system looking for problems to solve that don't need to be solved, but solutions are supposed to come to problems, and we have a big problem. We have a big problem that we rely on uh, a groundhog to come out and tell us the weather. Oh, wait, wait, that was, that was a story from before. Uh, we wait... We wait for one man to emerge and tell us what the economy is going to do. Uh, it's just as, as insane. However, he does have more control over the economy than a groundhog has over the weather because he does control the money. What they control is the price of money. And this is an important piece to understand. Um, if you have any grasp of history and economics, maybe you don't. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't teach this stuff anymore. But if you have any understanding of history and economics, you would know that price fixing doesn't work. As a matter of fact, it's been tried numerous times, and every single time it's failed disastrously. The reason why is because we do things, humans do things because we're incentivized to do things, we're motivated to do things because of the incentives. <clears throat> and typically, you would start a business to make money, to make a profit. So if I'm going to make bread at my bakery and sell you bread, I'm hoping to turn a profit. I have to buy the raw goods. I have to spend time, energy, pay people to do that. I have to pay for my equipment, my building, etc. I have all these costs, and I hope to pay for all of my expenses by selling the bread and have some left over. That's my profit. But what happens if the government sets the price of that bread? And that price of the bread, now I'm not able to make a profit. Well, what would happen? Well, then I certainly wouldn't be making bread anymore. And that's exactly what happens every single time. It leads to massive shortages. It leads to massive distortions. They could also set the price of bread artificially high. So what would happen if they said, uh, right now, you know, the average price of bread is, I don't know, call it five bucks a loaf. The, the government comes out and says, you can't sell bread for more than $3 a loaf. Well, a lot of people can't sell bread at that price. Their costs are too expensive. Their costs of their employees, their 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 office, their equipment, et cetera, is too high. The raw materials, wheat's very expensive today. So I can't make bread for $3 a, a loaf, so I just stop. Then it leads to shortages, supply and demand. When you have less of the good and you have more demand, what happens? The price goes up, but the price can't go up because they've artificially set the price at $3. And so instead of the price going up to six, seven, eight, like it should, it's stuck at three and people just don't make it. It leads to shortages. Now, it's equally as bad if they try to set it the opposite way. Let's say that say the going price of bread is $5 a loaf and they set it to $10 a loaf. Then what would happen? Well, if the, if the government, if the Fed's going to buy all the bread they want at $10, well, imagine how much more bread would be being made. So all these bread makers who can sell for five bucks a loaf, they're getting rich. They're loving it. Now we're getting way more people jumping into the bread making business. So now we have more competition and more people are, are position, shifting their businesses from making certain goods into making bread because bread is now $10 a loaf. And so all these people that shifted from making other goods that were needed in the market have now stopped making those goods and they go make the bread for $10 a loaf. But now we have all these shortages in another part of the market that's now being underserved and we have all what's called malinvestment. And so now they're investing into new bread making facilities because they think there's more demand there. But the reality is there isn't more demand there. It's just the government has artificially set the price to that level. And at some point, the government goes, hang on, we, we can't keep paying $10 a loaf forever. That's kind of ridiculous. They stop, and now the whole system is messed up. Now, all these people had spent all this time, money, energy to change over their business to make, to make bread, and now, because they thought there was demand, but it was artificial demand. 
And so now that collapses. We still have lost the other goods that they were making before the bread. And you can see how bad that is on either side. And so the answer to that is to don't set prices. The answer is to let the market decide. Let the market um, indicators, the market communicate where the demand is. So if less people want to eat bread, I don't eat bread. Uh, I don't believe bread's very healthy for you, so most people shouldn't. So we should have less demand for bread. And then eventually people make less bread and they start shifting their businesses over to areas that do have demand. That would be the way that the market should work. The reason why I tell you that story is because the government, the Federal Reserve, the central banks, uh, I, sh I should say that separately, the Federal Reserve and the government are not the same. Uh, the government is not the Federal Reserve. The Federal is neither federal, nor do they have any reserves. It's a semi-quasi-private partnership that the government has a little bit of influence over, but not a lot. That's a topic for another story, for another day. Uh, but you can hit me up on a comment if you'd love me to do, dig more into that. If you'd like to know more about that, read the book uh, Creature from Jekyll Island. It's a pretty good primer. Um, but I tell you that because what the Fed does is by raising the rates like they just did this week, this week by 0.75%, is they adjust the price of money. And by fixing the price of money, it fixes the prices of everything else. So let me explain how that works. So most people don't think about this. You think that you use money to buy goods and services, which you do. So for example, I take $1,000 of my dollars, and I can go buy an iPhone or $1,200 or whatever, the $1,500, whatever the amount is. So I take $1,000, and I go buy an iPhone. But I have this iPhone in my hand right here. I could also go buy dollars with the iPhone, right? I could sell this iPhone for dollars. I'm buying dollars. So it's a two-way street. Trade Trades work both ways. But let's say that I wanted to go buy a house, and I needed... Um, $100,000 to buy a house. I don't have $100,000, so I need to go buy the 100000 for the house. Now, how much does it cost me to buy $100,000? Well, that's the interest rate. The interest rate I pay is the cost of the money. And of course, that's what the Feds did. They adjusted the Fed funds rate by 0.75%. They adjust, they made it more expensive. Money now is more expensive than it used to be. Well, why does that matter? Well, it matters because by setting the price of money, it sets the price of every other good and service. So I explained to you the, the danger of trying to set the price of a loaf of bread, not just in the way that affects bread, but it affects the rest of the market because all these people that were producing other goods and services now might go produce bread. And so we have all these extra add-on knock-on effects, if you will, unintended consequences. So if we set the price of money, we literally set the price of every good and service in the industry. So let me explain how this works. The price of money is a signal that tells me all kinds of data that I don't have to know. I don't have to be an economist. I don't have to have a PhD, and I don't have to have a, a team of data scientists to go harvest data to tell me this. It's all summed up. Trillions of inputs of all the aggregate demand, the consumer confidence, um, the, the production quality, um, all this data is summed up for me in one number, and that's the price of money. And using that data, it allows me to then make decisions on what I want to do. I'm going to explain all of that in a very, very easy to understand way. It's very important to understand, and then we'll talk more about what the Fed's doing. 
And then, of course, we'll talk about how insane that is and why we should have a better system. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the problem that we have today and why we need a decentralized solution to solve that. Of course, I'm talking about Bitcoin. Uh, I'm going to go back and explain to you the price of money, why it's a problem fixing it. Um, I'll be back with more in a minute. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, each and every week, the decentralized revolution. I'm trying to help you understand what is going on in the world today, today, and more importantly, where we go in the future by understanding politics, finance, and technology, and really where those three converge. And we're talking about today uh, the insanity of the federal, everybody waiting on the Federal Reserve to tell us what's going to happen with our future. And how I, I likened it to almost as insane as looking at a groundhog to come out and predict the weather. But yet, here we are. So um, the Fed, they did, they in fact did raise the rates, the Fed fund rates, by 0.75%. So they made the cost of money more expensive. If, you, if you've missed what I've led up to, you've missed a lot, but don't worry. I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to recap it all, but don't worry. You can check it out on the podcast. 
Uh, just search uh, Mark Moss Podcast on your favorite podcast player, um, iTunes, iHeart, etc. Or you can check it out on YouTube as well. Just search uh, Market Disruptors on YouTube and you'll find these on there as well. If you'd like to watch me, uh, if you'd like to see me talking to you, you can check it out on video. Um, all right. So um, they set the price of money. So here's how it works. I said all trillions of data inputs are all summarized in one price of goods. So what do I mean by that? Everything works off supply and demand. If a, if if uh, if I need to borrow money for a house, a car, a boat, whatever, um, I need to go borrow money. Now, if there's way more people that want to loan money than there are people needing to borrow, the cost of that money would come down, right? Just like a good. So if there was 10 houses for sale, but only one buyer, the... Um, the price of the homes would have to come down because there's not enough demand for the supply. But if the opposite was true, let's say there was 10 buyers, but only one home, the price of the home would go up because there's more demand than there are supply. That makes sense? So the same would be true with money. If there's um, one person wanting to borrow, but 10 people wanting to lend, the price of that money would come down. I'll, I'll loan it to you for 5%. I'll loan it to you for 4%. I'll loan it to you for 3%, right? The price comes down. And the opposite is true. If there's 10 people wanting to borrow, but only one person wanting to loan, well, I'll pay 6%. I'll pay 7%. I'll pay 8%, right? So it goes up. Now, the reason why that's important to understand is because that that price tells us all this data. So for example, if a lot of people have saved up money, that means that they're consuming less goods and services. So if the price of money is low, what that tells me is that more people have saved money. That means the economy is doing very good. They're making more money than they're spending. Um, their savings is, is high. And so I know the economy is doing good. I know consumer confidence is good. I know that people have money to spend. And so in that environment, I might decide to launch a new business, a new product, because I know that there's people out there that have money. I know the economy's good. I know the price of money is low. And so I would launch that business. Let's say that um, I want to make iPhones and I know that it's going to cost me $1,000 to make an iPhone, but I can sell it for a 10% profit and I can borrow the money at 5%. So I can borrow money at 5%, but I can make a 10% profit. I'll do that deal. Um, however, let's say that the opposite were true. Let's say that um, I want to borrow that money, but there's not many people that want to loan me the money. Well, that also tells me that the economy is doing bad, that people's business is doing bad. People don't have enough savings. People don't have enough disposable income. And that means then the cost of money would be high. And so now, because I can make a 10% margin on the iPhone, but now it's going to cost me 12% to borrow, I won't do the deal. And so it tells me all this about the consumer, about the savings, about spending, all this data just in the price of the money. But the problem back to the bread example I used before, if the government artificially sets the price of bread, or in this case, artificially sets the price of money, as they did this week by changing the um, rate that they charge, the Fed funds rate, then all of a sudden, I don't know what to do. It creates all types of bad investment. Either one, it's set too low. And in this case, this creates malinvestment. Well, the price of money is low. That must mean the economy is doing amazing. That must mean people have all types of disposable income. That must mean that um, I should go launch this new product, this new business, because I know all these people that want to spend money. But that's not really the case. 
because they've artificially set the price. They've artificially increased the demand when it's not really there. And so then uh, myself or you, you make bad decisions. Now you go risk your life savings. You risk all your time, all your energy, your blood, sweat, and tears to launch this business based off of data that was bad, based off of faulty data. And it gets even worse than that because not only was the information bad that they gave you and led you to make bad decisions, but then on top of that, they change the rules whenever they want. So all of a sudden, they're artificially stimulating the market. And so people think that there's some activity. So you spend all this time, money, sweat, energy, blood, sweat, tears, et cetera, to launch this business. And things are kind of going okay. But then they change it. And all of a sudden, they suck the money out of the economy by raising the rates. But wait a minute. I thought the economy was doing good. The price of money was cheap. I, I made all these, um, I bought all this equipment. I signed all these leases. I hired all these people. And now all of a sudden the price of money went really expensive. And now nobody has any money. And now nobody can buy my products. And now I can't afford to pay all my payments on all these things. Just like the bread example, which if you missed it, go back and check it out. Um, setting the price of money is very dangerous. And more importantly, if I only change the price of bread, it's bread plus all the knock-on effects. If I change the price of money, then I set the price of everything. And that's where we're at. So um, back to where we're at. So uh, the Fed has been manipulating the markets. They've lowered the price of money. It's created all types of fake artificial stimulus. It's created all types of malinvestment. And so we have all these businesses, all these people operating off all this bad information. And then what happens is it creates all this artificial demand which then creates inflation. And so we have, again, supply and demand. If there's more demand than there are supply, so there's more people with more money chasing the same amount of goods and services, then the prices of those goods and services go up. Back to the real estate example. And so now we have a situation with massive inflation. However, that's one reason why we have inflation. We have other, also have inflation because of supply problems. So the supply of the goods and services come down for, for any number of reasons. And it's ridiculous to try to measure this inflation with one single number because there's trillions of prices, there's trillions of reasons. I won't go into all of those. But yet here we are, the Fed is trying to control the market with one tool, and that's the price of money, which doesn't make any sense now that you understand it. Hopefully you understand that a little bit better. If all they can do is change the price of money, how can they change the price of wheat that's being affected because of the Russia-Ukraine war. About 30% of the global supply of wheat is affected because of the war. How does changing the price of money affect the price of that? And the answer is, it doesn't. So they really have no control over this. And the Fed's tools just aren't really working like they need them to or like they used to. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the reasons why that they, they don't work is because when all you have is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. When all you have is a money printer, then your only solution is printing more money or trying to change the price of that money. But the problem is today we have this massive price inflation, consumer price inflation for all types of reasons, including a Russia-Ukraine war, including uh, China with their zero COVID policies and not shipping products back to the U.S., including people wanting to quit their jobs so they can trade options on Robinhood. And now we don't have enough employees. Now we have to pay employees more and all these types of reasons. And the Fed is stuck 
with with tool, and that's setting the price of money. They can't even really create money. By lowering the price of money, money more money is created. So they're stuck. So I'm going to explain the situation they're in, uh, what happened with this uh, price increase, and um, what the economy is saying about it. Because the markets, the stock market, the cryptocurrency markets, the price of Bitcoin, all jumped based off of the news this week. And it's telling us some mixed signals. And I want to make sure you understand exactly what's going on. You're listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. I got a lot more to go over when I come back. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. 
My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing because of the intersection of three cycles, the 250-year political revolution cycle, a 50-year technological revolution cycle, and an 80-year financial revolution cycle. And so we dig into each one of those. Today we're talking about the insanity of us sitting around this week all waiting for the Fed to come out and tell us what the price of money was going to be, what our lives were going to uh, be like because they're going to change the price of everything. So we went through all that. Why that doesn't work, I explained to you that in great detail. If you missed any of that, don't worry. You can check it out on the podcast. Just uh, search Mark Moss Podcast. You'll find it on the iTunes network or iHeart uh, iHeart app. You can also uh, watch me on video if you want to see me deliver it on video. You can search it on uh, on YouTube. But anyway, uh, we'll keep going on. So uh, the Fed came out. They're trying to deal with uh, two different problems. It's like... Uh, trying to ride two different horses at the same time. And if you could just uh, picture that in your head, it doesn't really work. <laughs> How do you ride two horses at the same time, especially two horses that are going in opposite directions? And of course, that doesn't work. And the two horses going in op- opposite directions are one, the market's crashing, um, bubbles trying to deflate, deflation happening, stock market crashing, real estate market going down. <clears throat> and if they don't continue to pump in more money, if it's like a balloon. The balloon has a big leak in it. So they have to keep pumping more money in, more money, more air, more air, keep uh, pumping that bubble up. That's one horse going one direction. The other direction, though, is inflation. The price of goods and services is going up so fast and so high that it's putting uh, everyday people in massive jeopardy. The cost of gas, the cost of food, the cost of energy, mainly food and energy, the two most important things in life. We can't live without those things. Who cares if your TV got cheaper? Uh, I don't need to live. uh, I don't need a TV to live. I need food. I need energy. So those things are getting crazy high. And so that those are two problems. But the problem is, is that you can't fix one without affecting the other. And so if I continue to pump in more money, more air into the balloon, more money in the economy, then inflation continues to go higher and higher. And so it's left the Federal Reserve without a lot of um, options. And so we're seeing this kind of play out in real time where in this age of high inflation, the old tools that the, the central banks have had just don't work. And we're starting to see this happening all over the world, not just the United States. Uh, but um, as these economies start to stall out, it starts to threaten politicians' jobs. No one's going to vote for a politician when the entire economy went to, into the tra- trash can and everybody lost their job. And so then the politicians want to get everybody to, to pump in more uh, money, for more fiscal support. But the problem is they pump in more money, then prices go up higher. And so it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And we're seeing this uh, all across the world, like I said, and it's starting to claim a lot of victims. As a matter of fact, um, you hear a lot about in the United States – the, the Democrats who have control over the government today are going to get wiped out in the midterms because of how bad things are. But again, it's not just the, not just the U.S. We see it all over the world. As a matter of fact, uh, we have many high-profile casualties. In Italy, Mario Draghi has been running the government for 
um, I don't even know, over a decade at least. Um, and uh, he's gone. That, that government collapsed on July 21st. His coalition allies withdrew their support and uh, said that, that this aid package for households and business struggling with record energy bills wasn't enough. They need more money. But the problem is the more money makes their bills go higher, you see? So they're demanding more money, but the money is the problem. And so he's gone. He has to he has to resign. He's gone, Mario Draghi in, in Italy. In the UK, we saw Boris Johnson, the prime minister, had had to step down. Arguments over his fiscal policy. Um, you know, one candidate's promising immediate tax cuts and other types of relief. And so it's undermined what the Bank of England can do to tame inflation. Of course, we've seen it on, on an even bigger scale in smaller nations. So we had Sri Lanka has completely collapsed. Sri Lanka can't afford to pay their debt back, their bonds. They've defaulted. Now they can't import any food or energy. And now the people are starving. They've overran the prime minister's um, palace and taken that over. He's gone. Ecuador's gone. Peru's gone. Lebanon. I mean, I could sit here and name them. we got a dozen governments around the world that are all falling right now and not just small sri lanka ecuador peru we're talking about the uk we're talking about italy this may or may not be uh a coincidence i'll leave that up to you but uh, the prime minister of japan was recently assassinated and he was proposing a lot of economic programs to try to turn that country around. And so you're starting to see it's creating lots and lots of problems here. Now, a lot of countries, they don't have the option um, that Italy or um, or uh, or the UK or the United States have. Like I said, we're faced with, with two tough decisions. Do we continue to stimulate um, or do we fight inflation? But a lot of these nations, the Sri Lankas, Ecuador's, Peru's, they don't have that option. They can't print more money. They can't do that. They can't set the cost of goods and services through pricing money. So they have to then go beg to the IMF for money. Now, you know, when you get to these levels of debt that the entire world is in, you really only have a couple options, one of which is austerity, which means you go back and live on a budget. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody, no, no government wants to cut their spending because they want to pay themselves more money every year. They want more government programs and more government handouts so they can continue to extract more wealth out of the system. So nobody wants to cut government spending and go back on a budget. Who would want to do that? And so that's not really popular, especially on the people it's imposed on because the people want those government programs. That's not, that's not really uh, a good way. So the, there's a, the second option would be to just tax all the money away, just take everybody's wealth. The problem is that wouldn't really take a, take a, even a dent. If you took all the people in the United States wealth, all the billionaires wealth, just took it all, 100%, took it all, it wouldn't even make a dent. It wouldn't even make a dent in the debt. And the same is true for any other country as well. So that's not really a problem. And, and of course, if you tried to take everybody's money, uh, that wouldn't end up very well. Right? And so really, nations can't really tax more than about 50% before there's massive revolts. So that's not really going to work. Um, the third option is then um, they could default. And so we saw that in Sri Lanka. Some of these smaller nations can do that. Um, and they and they have. But the United States can't really default. The, the UK, they, they can't really default. So that's, that's not really going to work. So then there's one other option, one. And the other option is they just keep printing money and they inflate it away. 
And unfortunately, that's the problem. There's one fifth option and something called financial repression, which is the same thing. It's basically by stealing your money. They're forcing people to buy government bonds. So watch out your pensions, your 401ks are going to be going into more government bonds, buying that government debt. And what they do is the rate of inflation is high. So right now it's over 9%. So we have 9% inflation and they pay you 3 4% on your bond. So they're paying you 3 or 4%, but they're inflating away at 9 or 10%. So really you're losing money. They're stealing from you through something called financial repression. They'll force you into buying those goods and services and then steal the money away that way. That's, that's the most probable outcome out of this. Now, why do I go into that? Well, it goes back into the insanity that I started talking about of having a ground groundhog tell us the weather or the insanity of having Jerome Powell come out and tell us what the price of money is going to be. They're both insane. The answer is not to take the, the money out of the hands of Jerome Powell and give it to somebody else's hands. The goal is to take it out of the hands of any person, any man, and put it into a system that nobody can control. It's almost like we need a decentralized ledger that nobody can control. Nobody should artificially set the price of goods and services. I explained it to you with the bread analogy. Hopefully that was helpful. I explained it to you on us making decisions based off of that, and you can see the problem they've created, and there's no way out this point. There's no way out. The option is to never get back into this situation again and never allow anybody to control the price of money. But that's just my opinion. What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on social media. You can hit me up at, at the number one Mark Moss, just at one Mark Moss. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. And you've been listening to the Mark Moss Show, of course, talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way that the world is changing through the lens of politics, technology, and finance. Hopefully that wasn't too deep for you. Uh, it, was, it was fun for me. Hopefully it was good for you. But that's what I got for you today. Thanks for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.